when I got to college, I, I mean, I was in pursuit of the business degree at that point, but I still didn't have the whole plan put together and I didn't know what I wanted my job to be out of school or, you know, I, I was just figuring it out as I go. And I was lucky enough that, uh, the right opportunity at the right time found me. And that was the college works internship. And so it was the first class I was in. It was a summer class before the DePaul semester had even started. I sat down in it. Someone walked in and said, fill out this piece of paper if you're interested in an internship. Welcome to the Edge of Excellence podcast. This show is for current and aspiring leaders that are dedicated to showing up every day in their lives with excellence. We break down the careers of those excelling so you can understand what is out there and how to rise up in every field you choose. Let's get the show on the road, shall we? Your host has spent his life promoting global entrepreneurship, helping 20-somethings find their passion and working to help others achieve excellence. CEO of CollegeWorks, Matt Stewart. Thank you for listening. We've got a great show today. We've got Don Seawall. He can be found on LinkedIn, Don Seawall III. He's an executive recruiter at Michael Page, which has kind of a cool culture. He's going to talk about how to find the right company and how to discover the culture in the company that you're going to go work with, how to front load your job search and front load your career. Because work experience is like building a tall building. You need to start with a solid foundation to build a high tower. He says, excellence is achieved when you pursue a goal that means something to you and you learn from your failures. He's always pushing to do more. Welcome to the show and welcome to the Edge of Excellence. Well, Don Seawall, thank you so much for making time there in Wicker Park, Illinois, uh, coming away from your seems like a really sweet job of finding people that need jobs, finding companies that have jobs, making sure you've got a perfect match. You get to do marketing. You get to do business to business sales. You get to work directly with the clients. You kind of got the whole scope of thing in there as a recruiter. And I don't know, actually, I've had one other recruiter on the show, but not a recruiter that does it the way you do. You're hitting every aspect of recruiting there at Michael Page and Michael Page. What's the website for Michael Page? MichaelPage.com. Oh, what do you know? MichaelPage.com. You can also find Don on LinkedIn at don Seawall the third S-E-A-W-A-L-L. We're going to start it the way we always start it. You're living excellence. What is your definition of excellence, Don Seawall? That is a big question to start things off with, but I would say being in sales, that's an interesting question because the nature of the business is no matter how much you do in sales, you could have always done more. And so it's kind of this you know, never-ending game where even coming off of my best career month or best career quarter or whatever it may be, I, uh, you know, you could have always done more. And so uh, I think for me, excellence is more focused in the pursuit and achievement of a goal and coming up with a goal that means something to you, because, uh, you know, we all have different crafts, different trades that we do. And so for, me, you know, I try and start every day, start every month, quarter, whatever it may be with uh, a tangible goal in mind. So whether that, you know, when it comes to the business I work in, you know, a tangible revenue number, or, you know, if it's something outside of work, you know, uh, trying to continue to foster and build relationships with my friends, my family, um, or, you know, stuff outside of that, a personal goal to go out and travel and do something. So it's more identifying something that means something to me and then uh, chasing after it. And sometimes, you know, you smash the goal and that is an excellent feeling. Uh, Sometimes you give everything you got towards the pursuit of your goal and you come up a little bit short. And I think even in that, there's aspects of excellence if you laid it all out on the, you know, on the field at the end of the day. 
yeah, unfortunately, some of my greatest successes came due to my greatest failures. You learn from those failures, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what you got to be doing. Uh, we have a saying, uh, Michael Page, it's okay to make mistakes, just never make the same mistake twice. And so uh, I think, yeah, my greatest moments of learning and growth in this business have definitely come from when I've dropped the ball. Uh, but you got to keep your head up and uh, you know take away the good things when you can. Well, shout out to the culture and the leadership at Michael Page, because some companies don't allow mistakes. Some companies don't understand that, you know, you can learn from mistakes. So they don't mind if their team and, and, and their staff makes mistakes. They just want you to pause, think about it, figure out what you learned and be prepared for the next time. So you don't make mistakes again. I bet. I wonder if they love that you make mistakes. Yeah. Uh, that was one thing that stood about stood out to me when I was going through the interview process. They told me when I was asking about the training, the development, how would I you know, be brought up to speed in this kind of role when I had never done something at this level before. And what they told me is they try and make it like a learning hospital is how they described. And they said, we are going to be tossing you straight into the fire. You're going to be on the phone from day one with your own candidates, your own clients. And we're going to be helping teach you on how to take care of the patient in a sense. And our goal is to make sure that, you know, none of the patients die or anything like that. But if, uh, you know, some of them do go at the end of the day, that's okay. We understand that's the nature of the business. And so as long as you learn, you know, that's the big takeaway. And someone told me early on at the beginning uh, about a story in which they uh, had no knowledge of the market or our client list or anything like that. And they uh, made a mistake with like a $500 million globally traded company who was a pretty large client for another office. And, uh, you know, even in a situation like that, where there's a lot of money on the table, um, the team came together and, you know, was able to smooth things over, teach them what they did wrong. And, you know, no one's really going to hold that against you at the end of the day over here. Well, you, you, you got a lot of stuff hidden in there that's really important that we're just going to have to take a pause because this program's about figuring out what careers are out there, what you have to do to get there. Uh, well, this hasn't come up before, I don't think. But the culture, the focus, the mission of the organization that you decide to spend at least one year with, we've talked on the podcast many times. If you're listening and you didn't hear Jerome Stewart's podcast, you got to do at least one year to figure out if you're in the right or wrong place. So if you're going to go work somewhere, for a year, that culture, that focus, that mission matters. And so you came up with a place that is a quote, learning hospital that aligns with who you are. You want to learn, you want to grow. You came, you, you go work at a company that has a long-term people first focus. Now I haven't done business with Michael Page. I'm excited about it though. I might need to because long-term as a customer, I want a company that's long-term that wants me as a client for a hundred years, not just one deal. I want, I want to know that the person I'm working with is going to be at that company for a long time. So everybody's winning with the Michael Page culture, focus, mission, long-term people first, learn and grow, learning hospital. And if you're listening in the car right now at 1.5 speed and you're wondering, hey, How do I vet what company to go learn and grow at? How did you even find that out that they were that type of company in the interview process? Yeah, great question. So, I mean, anytime you're going through an interview process, you're interviewing the company just as much as they're interviewing you. And so I thought about things that I had enjoyed in previous positions that I wanted to make sure were going to be present in whatever environment I ended up in. And for me, the big things were I wanted to be rewarded for the results I achieved. And so uh, I wanted to make sure that if I worked harder, I was going to get more out of my job than, you know, someone sitting next to me, not putting in the same level of work. Uh, So, you know, I wanted a results-based economy. I wanted someplace where the employees were really valued, where, you know, they treated, it was a people first kind of environment, really relationships based. And uh, so, the way that I vetted those, I asked questions tailored around those things at every stage of the interview process. And then I found people who worked at Michael Page in various offices across the nation. There was one in California and there was one in Maine, complete opposite ends of the country from where I was at, but same organization. So I thought they would be able to speak to the culture of it. And I 
shot him a message on LinkedIn and said, Hey, I used to work for College Works Painting, saw you did too. Saw you're at Michael Page. Now I'm currently going through the interview process. Do you have a moment if I can, you know, pick your mind? And they were able to then kind of back up what was being told to me throughout the interview process. So then I could be confident when it came time to make my decision on the offer. Wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. This seems like a lot of work. And you're sitting in your car and you're like, oh no, I gotta first of all figure out what I liked in the past. Okay, step one, what did I like in the past? Oh, that means I gotta sit down and think. Then I gotta think about what matters to me and write it down and probably spend it an hour on it and then let it sit aside, and then come back and spend another hour on it. Then I got to figure out what are the right questions to ask. Maybe I got to go on Google and look up interview questions. I've got to write down my questions. Then I got to do the research on this company to see what their website says. And I'm sure that there's something in their website and their missions or their values that gives you some indication. And that's where you look, by the way, if you're listening right now, look at the mission, the vision, the values, and then, oh no, oh no, if I really want to make sure I'm doing this right, I've got to make some calls to random people and reach out and do the extra work. But what's funny about that, Don, we call it front loading. You remember that term front loading? You put, yeah. He's he's shaking his head. Yes. Uh, you put the effort in the front so you don't have to spend five times the effort on the back end. It's a pound of per, with an ounce of prevention prevents a pound of cure. So it sounds like a lot of work. It sounds like a lot of work to list this all out and think about it. We didn't even get into all the stuff you had to do to figure out what you like. That's years of work, but that's what life is. If you want to have a sweet job that you love, if you want to be in the perfect place to not have a midlife crisis and go live the van life at 40 years old because you hate your job, um, you got to front load it. You got to do the work. So thank you so much for taking the, for letting me digress there a little bit. But I was so impressed with that culture. I had to had to, that was more of my consumer mindset wanting to dig in. But I think that that's going to really help. But let's back it up a little bit. Let's back it up to high school. What was life like for you in high school before you figured out what you wanted, before you figured out what matters to you, before you came up with all those questions? Uh, before you developed your definition of excellence and the pursuit and achievement of a goal that means something to you, before you even knew what meant to you, what was life like in high school? What were you doing to get ahead or were you? Good question. So high school, it's been a little bit since this point, graduated in 2014. But I mean, I at that point, I would say I was, uh, you know, pretty run of the mill as far as a high schooler went. I got good grades. I uh you know, didn't necessarily know what I wanted to do with my life. I was on the varsity soccer team. I liked to hang out with my friends whenever I wasn't in class or doing homework. I was working a couple different side jobs just to uh, make some spending money for the weekend. And at that point in time, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Uh, and I was okay with that. It, it, the first step was just kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to major in in college, which kind of points you in the direction of what you end up doing in the rest of your life. And I recognize that business was something that interested me. Uh, it was something that... So what interested me about business was the fact that you could work harder and get more out of it. And so I had been a real hard worker. So I got my first job when I was 12 years old, corn to tasseling, just walking the fields. Uh, it was a uh, not the greatest working conditions. I ended up getting into uh, soccer refereeing and having some side jobs as like a busboy and a dishwasher at local restaurants. And so I was no stranger to hard work. But uh, what I hadn't been seeing is the profits that went along with that hard work. That was all going towards somebody else and uh, you know whoever actually owned that business. And so I recognized that uh, if I really wanted to um, get what you know I wanted out of the work I was putting in, then I think business could be the place to do it because you have the chance to um, you know earn commissions if you end up in a sales position or uh, you know earn a profit sharing bonus if you're in a management position or something of that nature. So I still didn't exactly know what I wanted to do, but that was kind of how I started the the process of narrowing it down when I was going on college visits. I just found that that was something that was interesting enough to focus on and just pointed my direction. Okay. So in high school, I love how you called it a side job. No, that's, it's not called a side job in high school. It's called a job. 
but uh, you, you had more than one. So you got good grades. You play varsity soccer. You've got jobs. You're always working. But miraculously, believe it or not, you can still have friends. So you still had friends, even though you're busy at school, busy at soccer, busy at jobs. There's a lot of parents out there. They're not listening to this show, probably, but their kids are. And they you know who your parents are. There's those parents that think that you can only do sports in school. You don't have enough time for the job. Well, that ain't good enough because the job is where you get really a, a whole different set of communication skills. A whole, And I remember my son had his first job. He went into this restaurant. He went in quiet, kind of not a great communicator. He came out a different person just from taking people's orders at the counter. So you have these weird jobs. Now, I believe you told me about corn detasseling before, because here in California, we don't have corn detasseling. Uh, so you have what what maybe some people would consider kind of a crap job that's walking the fields. And what is detasseling? There is a part of the corn stalk that's at the top of it. Uh, that's the, the fuzzy the part, the fuzzy yeah, part, the fuzzy part and uh, pulling it out. It prevents it from being pollinated or allows it to be pollinated. I, I'm not an expert of the science behind it, but it, it changes the the sweetness of the corn, I believe. And so any corn that had a tassel, we were pulling it. And in Illinois, you're allowed to work jobs like farm related jobs starting at age 11, I think like that. And so I got my first job uh, in uh, when I, the summer when I was 12. Uh, someone on my travel soccer team, one of the parents came in and said, hey, we need a ton of corn to tasselers for my company this year. Anyone interested? And I went, hmm a way to make money at 12 years old. Yeah, I'm in. And I did it with one of my buddies on the team. We actually had a lot of fun doing it. We would wake up at 5 a.m., take a long bus ride to Southern Illinois, walk the field for five hours uh, in the morning. It, the plants were covered in dew, would get your clothes soaking wet. Your feet are just blocks of brick, the corn scratching you in the face. And uh, then all of a sudden noon, it's 100 degrees out and you're still in sopping wet clothes, but just sweating. And uh, that experience there, I did that for maybe two or three summers. And it made me realize that uh, I wanted a job with some better working conditions than that long term. And so I said, uh, you know, what do I have to do between now and when I'm, uh, you know, an adult in order to make sure that I got my uh, pick of the litter when it comes to jobs? <laughs> well, the road to success is paved with crap jobs. And you don't get to be the CEO at 13 years old. You don't get the BMW corporate car at 20 years old. You got to get there first because there's skills and learning how to work hard and learning to love work is a skill set. You go out there and you find what's good about being wet and cold and muddy and scratched up and plucking corn fuzziness off of it. You've got to go try it to figure it out. Being a bus boy, I was a bus boy, touching other people's gross food, but you learn to move fast. You learn to be efficient. You learn to do two things at once. You learn to communicate. I wouldn't have been able to, the efficiency I got from being a bus boy and how bothered I am when I'm at restaurants and they're not like sweeping through all the tables at once or they're not looking their customers in the eyes. You learn customer support. You learn so much from being a bus boy. The dishwasher, I was a dishwasher. Again, efficiency, speed. What happens if you're not fast? How bad it is if you're slacking? So you develop these skills from these crap jobs that they give the high school students or in your case, elementary school students. Um, but it, it's the building block, right? You don't get to get the next better job if you haven't done that. So you're in high school, you're playing varsity soccer, are you skateboarding? Are you skateboarding yeah, then? I'm a big skateboarder as well. So that's what I would be doing with my friends if I wasn't playing soccer in school or working. And you're good at it too. You're a good skateboarder, aren't you? Uh, well, no one's ever paid me to do it, but uh, it's something I've been doing for 12 years. And uh, yeah, I mean, I if I was at the skate park, I would expect to go to toe to toe with anyone there. So, uh huh. And what type of skateboard do you ride? Uh, I do street skateboarding. So, uh, like a grinding down rails, flipping the board downstairs. What, what brand? What brand? Uh, there's a local skate park in Illinois called Fargo skateboarding that I've been going to since I was 16. I ride Fargo skateboards, Fargo skateboards, shout out to Fargo skateboards. Been riding it your whole life. Okay. 
So, and they should pay you, by the way. Hey, Fargo Skateboards, you're now sponsoring this show. Give Don some free gear. He's been riding your stuff for a long time. He's a loyal client. I like skateboarding too. So you're working hard, but you're having fun. You're doing the crap jobs, but you're learning. And all of a sudden you're going to DePaul. It's one of the schools my son looked at. A lot of DePaul students are big fans of DePaul. I mean, I've interacted with so many DePaul students. They love it there. If you're thinking about going to college, check out DePaul. It's in Chicago. Everybody seems to love it there. So they've got a great culture. So you, you go from high school where you're developing the fondness of culture and hard work. You find a school that has a great culture. What was life like in college? What were you doing to get ahead there? Or were you even trying to get ahead? Yeah, great question. So when I got to college, I... I mean, I was in pursuit of the business degree at that point, but I still didn't have the whole plan put together. And I didn't know what I wanted my job to be out of school or, you know, I, I was just figuring it out as I go. And I was lucky enough that uh, the right opportunity at the right time found me. And that was the College Works internship. And so it was the first class I was in. It was a summer class before the DePaul semester had even started. I sat down in it. Someone walked in and said, fill out this piece of paper if you're interested in an internship. I filled something out, didn't think anything of it, and uh, didn't hear back on it for probably two months or so. Um, at that point, I was just you know, making some friends, uh, exploring different organizations on campus. I joined Urban Farming Organization. I was skateboarding a lot in the city. I was going to Cubs games. Um, they were bad at that point in time, and uh, tickets were pretty cheap at that point. So you know, just doing the normal college lifestyle, but then uh, two months into school or so, Someone called me about that card I had filled out on my very first day. They invited me to an information session. And that is when I learned about as an 18-year-old with no proof of success, no track record of success, no tangible developed skills at that point. But I found out that someone would give me the opportunity to run a company, the painting business. And uh, that was something that really interested me. I had always considered myself entrepreneurial. I wanted to work harder and make more money out of it. And that's why I'd like working in restaurants. If I gave great customer service and I was moving with that speed that you were talking about, then I knew my tips at the end of the day were going to be bigger than the guy who wasn't busting his back like that. And the difference was I just heard about this on a different scale. So versus, you know, um, 10, 20, 30 bucks at the end of the night in tips, all of a sudden we were talking about thousands of dollars in profit at the end of the summer if I played my cards right. And so that was something that really excited me. It was something that I didn't hear any of my other peers were doing. And it was a chance that I identified to really set myself apart from the rest of my pack. So that was when I got engaged with CollegeWorks and I ended up uh, participating in the program on and off for the next five years. Wow. And uh, yeah, I knew that. Um, I'll just give you, you know this, but we'll give a little insight to the listeners. We've measured at CollegeWorks, and I, I tell this to all my, my uh, business owner friends, we measured through a big study we did and a lot of time and energy. And I think 20,000 people that came through our program tried to figure out what it takes to be successful in college and immediately thereafter. And it's not the same as what it takes to get into college. This Colleges have screwed it all up on what it takes to get in because what it takes to get into a good school is not necessarily what it takes to succeed out of school. And so, you know, freshmen, I like to call them freshman faces because that's what they used to call me. Hey, freshman face. I don't know why, but freshmen, they're too young, right? They haven't had enough experience. Now they're going to go run a business. You can't really run a business if you haven't been in a business. So the five, five things we look at, which are real keys to success right out of school. Have you worked three years or more? Check. You did that even by a freshman. Have you worked 30 hours or more a week? Check. You did that even by your freshman year. Have you played varsity sports? And we don't care if it's impossible to get into varsity sports or the easiest to get into varsity sports in the town you're in. Did you do what it took to get to varsity sports? Um, do you have above a 3.0 GPA? We thought it'd be 3.5. We thought it'd be 3.8. No, above a 3.0. And what's your major? And the what's your major is, did you pick the easiest major possible or did you keep pushing yourself? And those are the five key traits. And by the way, a five out of five, if you can say yes to five out of five, you're 256 times as successful as if you can say yes to three out of five. 
And we have never measured a dollar of revenue from anyone. And we've hired some of them that couldn't say yes to any of those. So those are all on the card. We throw the cards away if uh, you can't answer at least uh, four of those as a yes. Um, There's some other factors, Black Belt, Eagle Scout. There's some other things that will get you there. But that's our initial filter because we get 100,000 people that want to talk about the job. We got to get through it. So you were put on the back burner because you clicked the freshman box and they waited a couple months to call you, as you know, because you became a recruiter after that with us. But those are the five things that we're measuring. If you're a parent listening, my kids click all those boxes. They work three years before they got out of school. They work 30 hours a week in the summers. Um, They played varsity sports. They picked tougher majors, double majors for my son. And they got above a 3-0. My son barely got above a 3-0. Oh, well, he got above it. And that's kind of the the path out of high school that gets you into college where it all starts over again. So you come to college, you're at DePaul, you have this great culture uh, uh, school. For some reason, you're crazy. You've been working since you were 12 years old. So you figure, why not start this incredibly difficult internship at uh, 18 years old? You do well in the internship. And for the entire time you're in college, you kept building on um, that one internship, right? And it wasn't until after you graduated from college that you went into a different career. Is that correct? Are you enjoying the show thus far? We go through so many resources and links with this podcast, it's tough to keep up. I get it. That's why Matt and the rest of the team put together the Edge of Excellence Bundle. In it, you'll find different tools that relate to overarching themes and topics of the show. Things like disk assessment tools, time management strategies and tactics, stress and anxiety management tools, exclusive videos and episodes from this podcast that is not released anywhere else, and so much more. The best part? As a valued listener of the show, you can access the Edge of Excellence bundle 100% for free of charge. That's right, for simply being awesome and tuning in. To get access, all you have to do is go to www.collegeworks.com podcast and fill out the short form there for us to get the bundle over to you. Once again, it's www.collegeworks.com podcast. Now, back to the show. Well, it was, I did two years, my freshman and sophomore year, back to back doing uh, the College Works internship program. Loved running the business, made some really great friends through it, made some awesome money that was helping me pay for tuition. And then all of a sudden, I got a big head. Uh, I thought I was the greatest business student in the entire business uh, school. And uh, because of that, I took my foot off the gas. You know, I had some money set aside, so I just hung out, didn't work for the first time in my life for a couple of months. And believe it or not, the money went quicker than I expected. And then at that point, I went, I've got this awesome experience of running my company. I've got some tangible, marketable skills at this point in terms of sales, in terms of management, leadership, and time to go out and find the next great opportunity. And so I went looking for the next internship that was really going to uh, push me to the next level. And I didn't find anything out there that was willing to give me the level of responsibility that I had had for the last two years. None of them, you know, there was some jobs that let me do portions of it. You know, this job was um, like an assistant to a salesperson. So maybe I'm doing some cold calling. Maybe I'm shadowing them do some negotiations. Maybe I'm doing their admin tasks, but I'm not really doing sales at a high level. Um, You know, there was marketing positions, which were more know, research oriented analyst type positions. And that wasn't something that really motivated me. I wanted to be in action, actually doing something versus, you know, talking or exploring something being done. And so those weren't checking the box for me. And so uh, after a year away from the program, I ended up uh, recognizing that I did have a pretty sweet gig the first two years. And not only did I enjoy what I had been doing, but I thought it would benefit a lot of other people. So I decided to take the next step to become a district manager and teach people how to do what I had done before. You really start to master something in the process of teaching other people how to do it. And so it was just a way to further refine my sales and my management skills and um, share the experience I had had with some of my other friends from DePaul University. So it was cool uh, running the team with them the next two years. Okay. So, and I didn't even remember that. So you're here, you get develop an ego and 
believe it or not, that happened to me a few times and I kind of kept it. Uh, <laughs> you uh, go off and think you're God's gift. You find out that, you know, it's pretty hard to find a place that will you know, click all the boxes. You got responsibility, your sales, your management, your customer relations, your money management, you're moving up. You decide, okay, I'm going to come back. And you decide to master your skills by teaching others. Um, and you have the process of trial and error and learning. And that's what life is. You're looking for a job. You're listening right now. Go do that job and learn to love that job or figure out what isn't right about that job and then move to another one and learn to love that one or find out what's not right about it and then move to another one. And through that process, you figure out what really matters to you. So you're at the, you're at the college works gig and you decide, okay, now it's time. And I believe you went straight into uh, Michael page after your college works DMing, right? Yeah. So I uh, graduated in the spring of 2019 and uh, I stuck around with college works for another six months or so to see the team that I had brought on board through the position because I felt like I had made promises to them and I had to live up to those. But when those students were set to go back to school after the summer is when I then went on the job hunt and uh, found the opportunity with Michael Page. And so I joined them in August of 2019. And I've been with them ever since. So going on two and a half years at this point. All right. So you throw a little integrity in there. Do what you say how you say you will do it, when you say you will do it. You had a you had a promise to your people. You stuck it out through the summer, but decided it was time to just abandon me personally and all your friends at college. I'm just kidding. I, Which, I, interesting enough, on that point, uh, I was interviewing in May for the position with Michael Page, knowing I didn't want to start until August. And I got the job offer and the director of my office said, awesome, here's the job offer. Everyone who's, you know, a new grad who's going to be starting is going to start with us in June. And uh, I told him, you know, I like you guys, I want to accept the offer. I'm really excited about the opportunity. But with that being said, I've got responsibilities that I have to see through till August. And uh, he told me, Don, to be fair, every single person has responsibilities that they'd be walking away from in order to, you know, take this opportunity. So, um, you know, we've got people starting and we want you to start with everyone else at the same time. What are you going to do? And I told him, hey, uh, I wouldn't be the person that you want to hire if I was to walk away from these people in the middle of you know the promises I had made to them. And so I'm not going to do that. And uh, after I explained to him where I was coming from, he respected that decision, made the exception, and uh, it all worked out. And changed his entire training program and changed his entire onboarding program and customized everything and did a one-off because he'd be crazy not to. It'd be crazy not to. And I remember you told me that you told me that at the time. I remember in terms of uh, changing the training process, everyone else got trained in Chicago in June. And when I started, I had to go. They flew me out to Los Angeles to go get trained with that cohort. So it ended up really working out in my end. I got a free trip to L.A. out of the deal. Well, if you're doing it right, you're listening right now and it's never too late. You've been smoking weed for the last four years, hanging out with your buddies, sleeping in, but you know you can do more. Well, it's time to start proving it. And after you've got a few years of proof under your belt, I mean, you could be a loser and get nothing done and a total flake and one day wake up and maybe today's the day and you get focused and you start to figure out what matters to you, and you start to figure out your value system, and you start to figure out what questions to ask and what you like and what you don't like, and then you find a match. And if you got that resume and you've done those things, you get to push your values onto the organization. And I already know Michael Page has your values. Of course, they think integrity is important. And they sit there and they listen to you say, hey, this is what's important to me. And they're going to make it work. And what a great decision that was for them. So you start working at Michael Page. And so we, we kind of talked about it a little bit, but it's a little bit of a different system. A lot of the uh, headhunting firms have one person that goes out and finds people that need a job. They have another person that goes and finds out what clients need people. And then there's a third person that kind of works in the middle, works with the clients to meet the people that are looking for jobs. Michael Page 
has one person do it all for that seamless transition, for the lack of communication breakdown for a lot of reasons, but it's a lot harder person to find. So what's life like? What do you do on a daily basis there as a headhunter? Um, what skills do you need? Great question. So uh, I'm what you call a full desk sales recruiter. I'm doing simultaneously the sales as well as the recruitment. So a uh, big portion of my job is finding companies that are hiring, uh, prospecting to them, letting them know who we are, the service we provide, getting product in front of them, which in my line of work, the product is the candidate. And so sharing with them qualified profiles that you know fit the job postings they have online. Uh, so finding the companies, negotiating recruitment agreements where you know, if I succeed in finding this individual, you're going to pay my company X. So I'm in charge of the uh, negotiations of that. And then once we successfully get an agreement in place, um, I take the job brief, uh, figure out what qualifications are must have, what they're willing to flex on, um, you know, both, both the hard skills and the intangibles, who's going to fit in well with their organization. I try and gauge that. And then after uh, I've got the company with an agreement in place, I know what they're looking for. I go out and I actually find the individual who's doing this kind of work. Uh, Michael Page being a um, premium recruitment partner, we uh, try and represent the best of the best in the business. So I want to find someone who's currently doing that job at another organization, figure out what would motivate that individual to make a move, you know, what's wrong about their current role, whether that's culture, role, title, responsibilities, compensation, uh, diving into how I could improve their current situation. And then at that point, I'm kind of playing match uh, matchmaker, Cupid in a sense, between the clients we have with their opening roles on and the candidates we found with the qualifications that match. Okay, so there's a lot. There's a lot in there. So you have to be really good at listening. Yes, absolutely. And you you talked about finding these questions to ask when you're looking for the job. You got to be really good at coming up with questions and the right question and the power question to uncover things that a normal question wouldn't uncover. I bet you got that out of recruiting at College Works. You had to figure that out at college. That's where I learned that. I learned it all my leadership from recruiting at College Works. It definitely uh, planted those seeds for sure. Yeah. So you got to I mean, be really good at figuring out if someone's BSing you, especially if they're going to be in sales because they're good at it. You've got to uh, be diligent. Uh, you've got to know to put in the extra work back to that front loading. You front loaded your whole life, right? So you got to front load the effort here and make sure you've got the right people. You've got to make sure you're asking the right questions and uncovering what maybe your clients don't even know that they're thinking when they're looking for somebody to hire. So there's a whole lot of communication skills you developed in life leading up to this point because you need to be an excellent communicator. You need to be excellent excellently organized. If that's a word, we make up words on the show all the time. You need to be passionate about the people. So you've got to be the type of person that cares. You know, some people don't care, right? They don't care what happens with your job. They don't care if they do an excellent job. They don't care about their customers, but you're not going to last long. Find a different job if you don't care. You've got to be aligned with uh, aware of your values, which came from all that experience. So there's a lot there. And so on a daily basis, you're out kind of pounding the streets to find people that are looking for jobs and sending messages and reaching out to people. You're pounding the streets looking for um, companies that are looking to hire. And then I'm sure you're doing a lot of interacting with people that to help them clarify what they're looking for, to help them come up with their own questions for the interviews, to help them narrow it down. Anything I missed? Uh, yeah, I think you nailed it right there. Um, every day is different given that uh, we don't have, we work in a really autonomous environment. So I'm able to identify opportunities that I think, you know, would be good for our business, whether that's companies that are doing a lot of hiring or companies that, you know, have similarity to our other clients. And so they would fit in well with our book of business or, you know, finding new candidates. It's always different day in, day out. But uh, my job revolves around communication, you're 100%. Written and verbal communication, I spend a large percentage of my day uh, on the phone, in video meetings, whether that's with clients or candidates. Uh, sometimes we schedule some face-to-face -face meetings, but that's been a little bit different since 2020. So, um, you know, a lot of written and verbal communication, email is a big tool of ours. Uh, beyond communicating with our existing candidates and clients, I'm then kind of putting out 
fishing lines in a sort. So whether that's putting new job postings up to get a new stack of resumes to call through or getting out new batches of messages, like you mentioned, whether that's uh, LinkedIn or a different one, those are some of the different things we do day in, day out. I think the skills that really go into my job, you mentioned the communication, that's a huge one. The organization and the time management, given we're making our own schedule is something that's really big. But I think the things that really have played a big role in my success would be resilience. Uh, Being in a sales job, you naturally have got to get used to saying no. Uh, People saying no to you. I mean, at College Works, I was used to, you know, knocking on doors and having them say no chance and shutting the door right in my face. And so I was able to, uh, you know, shrug that off maybe a little bit better than some of my peers who didn't have that experience. But, um, you know, rejection, it's uh, a constant in it. So you got to be able to shake that off. Uh, And then I think the other thing is influence, being able to, whether that's a candidate you're working with, influence their decision-making process, which one thing I love about recruitment, the fact that my product really is a candidate, it's a person. It's very different than, let's say, someone selling a paint job. Um, you know, It's easy to tell, this is the quality of this paint job. We're going to do these steps of prep. We're going to apply it in this, this way on the house. And so it's kind of a science. When it comes to a candidate, it's much less a science and it's more an art. Candidates have emotions. They've got, uh, you know, people don't always make decisions based in fact, they make decisions based on feelings. And so I got to be in tune with their emotions. I got to be able to influence and affect those emotions. And uh, so I think influence is a big part on both candidate and client side. And then as well as I work in a really collaborative team environment. So I got to be able to influence my team, whether that's, uh, you know, recruiting for my clients, recruiting for my jobs, or believing in the candidate that I'm presenting to them. Um, I got to be able to influence everyone I'm working with. So I think those are two other big skills. Yeah. And so you came in with some of these skills, like time management. Do you still use the time management system that we taught at CollegeWorks? I think College Works gave me the ability to juggle different things, um, but I've definitely refined my time management okay. system since then. So you had the foundation. If you're looking for the foundation, there's a podcast. Go search for the podcast. You missed it. It's one of the early episodes. It's entitled Time Management, by the way. So you had some basic time management skills you got with us. Well, probably a lot more than basic uh, for your age group. Priority management, you're learning that with us. Front loading, we've talked a lot about resilience because you get your butt kicked a bunch of times. Emotional control, I mean, to go from crying and so upset to going to close another deal. Collaboration, there's a lot there. But the point I was making, you're developing these skills throughout all these, even back to corn chucking, you're developing these skills um, throughout life. And then you get to this new position where you're constantly further developing these skills and getting better and better. And because you're constantly trying to get better, you went from associate consultant to recruiting consultant to senior consultant, and now to the management team, all the same skills, right? Yeah, it's all the same skills at different levels. Uh, Someone, I think it was like my second grade math teacher told me this uh, analogy, but she said, math is like building a foundation of a house and you got to have a really solid foundation before you can build the next level. And I think that translates to work skills that we're discussing as well. And so I was really thankful when I was going through the learning curve of my role at Michael Page when I first started, seeing some of my other peers who were at similar stages in their career uh, not necessarily have the same foundation as me or, um, you know, just seeing some of the different areas where that hard work I'd put in all throughout, you know, middle school, high school, college, uh, seeing it all pay off definitely felt really good. Which leads me to my favorite question, by the way. And I can only imagine 12 years old. You said long bus ride, 12 years old. I don't like bus rides. I have a rule, by the way, I do a lot of event planning. I did it for the entrepreneurs organization. I do it for YPO. My friend, Sean Baldwin, Sean Baldwin, we know you're listening right now. Uh, you got a construction company, Baldwin and Sons. Don's your man, Sean Baldwin. You've I, he, he told me to never use his name in my podcast. He was talking about how someone mentioned his name. I try to mention it every time and he listens. So I know he's hearing me right now. Sean Baldwin, Baldwin and Sons, Don Seawall. He could be a provider of your employees. He does that. So you're going through with this 
foundation that you're building, a real solid foundation, because we go back to your definition of excellence. It's pursuit of achievement and a goal that means something to you, right? And you're setting big goals. And you said you wake up every day and every week and you set business goals. You set balance goals. You're looking for growth and change. So you're constantly practicing all this stuff in every job you've ever had, practicing this stuff at your current job and you move up. But along the way, you're on a bus, you're on a bus at 12 years old, which has got to be scary. Oh, I, I know what I was saying. Sean Baldwin. Wow, it's amazing. Someone's got to edit that and make that sound better because that was rambling. Uh, Sean Baldwin and I plan all these trips. And the rule that we have is you never put anyone on a bus. If you can, never put anybody on a bus, especially the people we're dealing with, all these CEOs. But if they have to be on a bus for some reason, never more than 30 minutes. So you're on a bus at 11 years old, you're cold, you're shucking, you're dishwashing, you're missing out on a bunch of things. What reg- what sacrifices did you make? It sounds like you made a lot. What sacrifices that people would see as sacrifices did you make that you never would regret? And if you could go way back in time, and I know you're not that old, I always laugh at that one. If you could go way back and tell your super young self, way back to before, what was it, 2014, what sacrifices did you make that you'll never regret you would tell yourself to make again? That's a good question. So, I mean, you could look at the sacrifices, you know, from that first job at 12 years old. I mean, I was waking up at like 4.30 a.m. to catch the 5 a.m. bus. And you said long bus ride. We're talking two hours on this bus. Uh, The cool part was we got paid on the way there and we could sleep on the bus. So it wasn't a bad trade-off for a 12-year-old getting two hours of pay to sleep. But uh, I mean, the sacrifice then was that you had been up all day since 4.30 a.m. and you were getting home at 3 p.m. completely exhausted and gassed from the day and you just had to eat dinner and go to bed and be prepared to do it all again. So, I mean, on face value, some kids may look at that and say, I mean, you just sacrificed the whole summer, but I think it goes back to the definition of excellence, having a goal in mind. Uh, What do you think the goal of a 12 year old is back in, I don't know what that was, uh, 2007. It was to buy a Nintendo Wii which was an incredible motivator for me at that point in time. And I saved up my own $250 over the course of that summer. And I called up every single Target, Walmart, Best Buy in the area for weeks on end because they were selling out over and over. And I finally found one that did, in fact, have a Nintendo Wii in stock. It was 28 miles away from home. I told my mom, time to drive me and let's go get this. And she said, you don't understand how far 28 miles is. This is going to be a big chunk out of my day. Uh, Yeah, I do, mom. I've been on a bus two hours every day. (laughs) I, I went, you don't understand. This is my opportunity to seize my goal and actually make that happen. And so, I mean, I was really on a one track mind when I was at 12 years old. I had to make the money in order to buy this and that was going to be worth it to me. And, uh, you know, since then, uh, whether it was working while I was in uh, high school, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sundays, I was working at a winery uh, as a bus boy and, you know, making my money in tips. And I knew that for me, that was going to give me some money in the pocket to go snowboarding with my friends when I got an off day. And, uh, you know, that was something I loved to do with my friends. And so that was the goal at that point in time. When I got to college and I'm doing the College Works internship, all of a sudden I'm at DePaul University, which is a private university. Tuition is not cheap. And uh, all of a sudden I got to get creative and find a way to pay those bills. So um, that was what was motivating me at that point in time. And so I think it all you know, work is easy if you have the right goal in mind. And uh, if the goal isn't motivating you, then you don't have the right goal and you got to find a new goal. But if you got the right goal, um, you should wake up ready to seize the day. Yeah. And it's uh, that that whole long, I, I love how you just went through, by the way, you went through the different goals for the different aspects of your life. It's a, it's a we, and then it's a car, and then it's money for whatever else. And then it eventually becomes getting the experience to have the career that you really want. And then it's excelling at the career and having a wonderful, happy life and freedom. So you're through your pursuit of excellence, you're adjusting your goal, you're self-motivated and yeah, there are sacrifices and yeah, you did sacrifice your whole summer, but what if you didn't? What if you didn't? Then everything else tumbles, right? So yeah, I didn't go to semester at sea and I didn't go with my family to Spain for two weeks. And I never had a spring break except for one. I had a great one spring break. 
And yeah, everybody else, Stewie, why are you working so hard? Stewie, come out partying. No, I show up late. And, you know, maybe it felt a little bit like a sacrifice to you and to me, but we kind of knew deep down inside we're doing the right thing. And they know deep down inside they're doing the wrong thing because balance isn't a, a, a thing that it just occurs early. Balance isn't a daily or a weekly thing. Balance is a life thing. And if you front load your life, you get to go to the games with your kids later. You get to go to the recitals. You get to go on the vacations. If you don't, you're stuck making sacrifices like that forever. So you get to have summers with your family of the future because you didn't have every single summer as a kid. You had some. You get to have vacations with your family and go experience these things because you skipped some of the parties and some of the vacations early and you don't regret it because you know you're where you're at now because you did it. Yeah. And I think the thing about sacrifice is it's bigger and scarier before you make the sacrifice than it actually ends up being. And so when I was in college working with college works, running my business and, you know, I still went and hung out with my friends on Friday, Saturday night, would stay up late, um, you know, partying with them a little bit. Uh, but I was awake and ready to get going at 7 or 8 a.m. the next morning because I had a business to run and my goal was motivating me to start my my day at that point in time. Uh, my friends, meanwhile, would sleep the entire day away and wake up at 5 p.m. when I was getting back home from having just spent a full day running my business. And I didn't actually miss a thing. I thought that, you know, I'm going to miss. You didn't my miss weekend. anything. You no, missed sleeping in until 11. Yeah. And ordering like a Jersey Mike sandwich and then watching a TV show on the couch. Like at the end of the day, they're not going to remember that moment that I missed out on, but I am going to remember the moment that, you know, I made that sacrifice and what I got out of it. Yeah. And we're going to close it with that, Don Seawall. I know I kept you a little late. I really appreciate you making time to share your wisdom, share your path, share your path, your passion and share your road to excellence. Really appreciate you coming on the show today. Thanks for having me on, Matt. If anyone wants to reach out to me on LinkedIn, feel free to. I'm always happy to answer questions for anyone who's you know, still on their journey of figuring out what they want to do. I'm still on my own journey. So feel free to reach out to me there. And if you are a motivated sales or recruitment professional in North America, reach out to me. We've got eight offices spread out. We cover the entire area. And I'd love to talk to you about an opportunity with Michael Page. Hey, hit me up again with your LinkedIn profile so people can find you because who wouldn't want to come work with you and who wouldn't want to either do business with or work at Michael Page? What is it? LinkedIn.com slash in slash Don dash Seawall third. Don dash Seawall 3RD is the LinkedIn profile. Again, Don, thank you so much for making time. Really appreciate you sharing your wisdom and I hope you have a great weekend. Thanks. You too, Matt. I hope you enjoyed that episode today on the Edge of Excellence podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe on whichever platform you're listening to this. If this episode made you think of someone, go ahead, take a screenshot and share this exact episode with them. This show exists to showcase what is possible when young leaders are willing to step out of their comfort zone and choose to excel in their lives. To learn more about our internship for young and ambitious students, www.oneinternship.com slash podcast to see if it's something that makes sense for you. Once again, it is www.oneinternship.com slash podcast. Let this be a reminder for you to live on the edge of excellence in your business and life. See you next time.